Hi everybody, it's Christian from Exploding Heads and of course TGIF 13 Podcast. Tonight, I bring you a special bonus episode. An interview with Preston DeFrancis, director of 2018's Ruin Me. We talk all about making the movie from concept to distribution and beyond. It was a blast talking with Preston and I hope that comes through in the interview. So let's get right to it. Without further ado, I present Making the Indie. Volume one. I'm recording from awesome. the depths of my basement here. It's really cool though. I love the uh I love the Jason stuff in the background. I see Michael back yeah. there. Yeah, this is it. This is the shrine of uh of horror. <laughs> awesome. This is your man cave. Yeah, uh nice. so to speak. An unfinished basement, but there's there's shelving units, so I can I can throw stuff up there. <laughs> right. So. Well let me let me actually start by saying how I how I came to know you. And that was through, thank God, it's Friday the 13th. Awesome. Um, and I'm a, I'm a big fan of you and, and Vince. And now I've discovered, you know, Dave Z and Brandon as well um, through Exploding Heads. But I, I so I was working on a TV show. I, I live in Los Angeles and I was working on a TV show actually in New Orleans. And I was living in New Orleans for like five months out of a hotel room, like without my wife, you know. Yeah. And uh, just, you know looking for things to like keep my spirits up on some of those long lonely nights you know and, and i discovered your your podcast and ba- and basically it was like a source of like comfort and joy during that time that i was away from home oh, awesome man well thank you for that that's great absolutely and, and i was actually going to incorporate that because i did kind of bring that up when we were talking on exploding heads i don't i don't think i articulated it well but that's just because that's how i am on that show for whatever reason uh-huh. I, I, i'm like all fragmented and all over the place i'm like uh uh, Captain Kirk or whatever. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> Where, what, what I wanted to say was that, um, yeah, this started like innocently enough. You're like, you know what? I caught your show. You, you reached out to me via the, the page, the messenger on uh, yep. Thank God It's Friday the 13th and said, Rune Me is playing at a Hamilton Film Festival. Right. And, and Hamilton's yes. literally 20 minutes away. Like the borders, mm-hmm. even 10. And it's just the timing wouldn't work out. And But you had reached out and just said, hey, look, I would love uh, if you could make it. That'd be great because you couldn't make it there because you're double booked at another festival. Yeah, we were we were double booked that weekend in Cleveland. Yeah. Hey, I I, I wish we could have gone. And I I remember reaching out. And you 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 were saying, hey, and if we if you can't go, no problem. Love to help you out on the show. And I thought well, that was super cool. Now Vince is very protective of the show. Uh huh. I'm kidding. Okay. I'm actually I'm <laughs> totally kidding. He's just not here to back himself up. But right. Right. Other than my wife, we've never had anybody guest on that show yet. It's always wow. been it's cool. always been live. So yes. I'm not, I'm not going to yes. say never, mm-hmm. but we've never done a guest up to this point. Other than uh-huh. like I said, my wife uh-huh. sitting in on uh, Freddy versus Jason a couple of years ago. Right, I remember. <laughs> so, <laughs> but so that's cool. So, hey, we jumped right into it. Cool. This, is, this is what I, this is what it's all about. So everybody out there, this is kind of like um. My a first bonus episode of both TGIF 13 and as well uh, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast. And this is Preston DeFrancis. I Hello. got that correct? Nice and simple, right? Yes, that's right. right. That's yeah. right, Christian. <laughs> got it. So I want to talk a little bit about everything. Now, uh, of course, most recently, his film Rune Me uh, has become a Shudder exclusive. It's been out now for about Almost a month and a half, two months on Shutter. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. both on Canadian Shutter and American Shutter. We can confirm mm-hmm. that for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so now, we... and then subsequently also on UK Shutter. Oh, perfect! There we go. Yep. 
Yeah. So there you have it. And we want to talk about that. We did review we did review it on Exploding Heads. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about how you got to this point. Because you mentioned that you're working on a TV show. And mm-hmm. I, I've got a bunch of questions. And, and probably my typical fashion, I'm going to be all over the place. But the, the reality is, you're in Los Angeles now. Where did you, where did you grow up? I grew up in a small town called Wheeling, West Virginia, uh, which you probably have never heard of. Most people, even in the States, haven't heard of it. It's a tiny town of about 30,000 people. Uh, and it's 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 in the Rust Belt of America. So you know this is like West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio. The, these these areas that um, are somewhat economically depressed, and that that's that's the environment that I that I grew up in, and always just just dreaming of of doing this, you know, and 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 wanting more than anything to tell stories through a camera, awesome. and not having a lot of. Um, I had amazingly supportive parents, and uh, I, uh, but not just in that community, not having, basically feeling like doing that was another planet. You know, working in this industry would be like, like, like only on Mars could you possibly ever dream to do that. You know, (laughs) yeah, yeah, and it 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 just seemed like an impossible thing. And you know, I mean, maybe for kids now because of you know, email and Twitter, like, like literally growing up with email and Twitter and Facebook, maybe it feels closer now for people. But, you know, when I, when I was going to college, the internet was just starting to become what it is, you know? And so everything still felt so far away. And so I, I, I studied theater as in high school and, and I was like, I want, you know, I want to go on and do film, but it just felt, it felt impossible. So I actually went on to college and I got a degree in electrical engineering. Wow. Okay. Wow. Because well, here here was my here was my thinking. I I thought you know if I can, I'll study engineering because I'm good at math and science, and I'll study electrical engineering, and then I can work on like cameras or transmission lines or or something like near to the industry. Yeah. You know, and 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 be technical in that way. You know, uh, but I went to undergrad in Cleveland, Ohio which for me was a huge city. That was like a big eye-opening, like, oh my gosh. From culture. Wheeling to Cleveland. To Cleveland, yeah. I know. And <laughs> well, yeah. now, you know, in, in retrospect, like, it's, you know, Cleveland is not like a huge city, but for me at the time, that was a huge step up and a huge eye-opening experience. And there is a film industry in Cleveland. Uh, and there, there, I did find mentors at my undergrad uh, university, which was Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland, I, I found mentors there, and I found mentors in the community who encouraged me and said, "You know, kid, if you want to do this, you can do it. Like you, it, it, it's not going to be easy, but go for it if you want to go for it." And so, that, that's I, awesome. you know, I, I, I like to f- finish what I start. So I yeah. finished my electrical engineering degree. But I went straight on from there uh, out to film school out here in L.A. at USC. Oh, wow. Uh, I, that, that's where is, I wanted to go. But from from an international, since I'm Canadian, uh, my dad gave <laughs> me the, the reality check that it was going to be uh, a ridiculous amount of money. So I, I didn't go. Right, your dad was right. <laughs> yeah. um, it, it is a ridiculous amount of money. International, not international. You know, uh, I have student loans that, you know, and, and unless something crazy happens, I'll be paying them back until I'm 57 and a half years old. 
So, uh, you know, it's, so let's get Rune uh, Two going right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, oh my gosh. Um, so it is, it's a very expensive school. Uh, but you know, that was the first time I had been West of the Mississippi river was when I drove my, I had a 1995 Dodge neon and I drove it out with my stuff. And that was the first time I was West of there. Uh, and the first time I was in LA and that was, again, that was like huge eye-opening experience so wait let me let me stop here based on what you just yep. said you you literally you went out by yourself you just that picked one. up what fit it into the dodge neon and drove west that's right that's right that's right i did wow. i did nice. a drive partner one of my best friends who watches horror movies uh ryan came with me but he took the plane back to 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 where he was going to grad school. <laughs> okay, so he was like the entertainment to help you out. Uh, yes, that's drive. right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, before mm-hmm. podcasts and every, everything else. <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly right. So you've been in LA ever since. I've been in LA ever since. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Now you said you have a wife. I have a wife. That's I'm, not your I'm writing partner. I though. Pulled it off. It's not my writing partner. So my writing partner uh, uh, and I, I we we met. She was at uh, grad school for screenwriting at USC. I was there for directing, and uh, we were two of the only losers who lived in student housing. Because most (laughs) most people who were going to USC, they were living like in a cool apartment in Los Feliz, or you know. And I I had no idea. I didn't know what LA was like. I didn't know. You know, my mom was worried that it was going to be like training day. She she like the training day had just come out, and she was like, "I'm worried that it's going to be like you know, King Kong ain't got nothing on me." You know, she was worried that that's what that's my life is. So I was like, okay, I'll live in student housing. So I lived in, in, in graduate student housing, and I lived in 308, and I met Trista, who is now, who is still my screenwriting partner. She lived in 307. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, nice. Yeah. This is, this is awesome. Like, let's, and I'm going by memory here, so you, you got to yeah, help me out, because yeah. you'll know better than anybody right now. Alumni. USC yeah. alumni. Yeah. Carpenter. Yeah. Was the, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yep. Carpenter and went maybe uh, not of the film school, but at least of of the university. Yes, yeah, he went. Okay, Lucas, George Lucas did yeah. go there. Yep. Yeah. Okay, and I, that's Zemeckis, where it starts. Zemeckis, 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah, pretty much yeah. all like like a lot of the ones we that we've come to love over the years. That that's where they went, which is why my dad, who when he knew, I, and I had very supportive parents as well, mm-hmm. but but they were also realistic, and they also said, "Look, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. an art." So we recommend just like, you know, like what you did. Maybe you should take, you know, business or something else at school. I said, mm-hmm. parents, no, I'm just going to take film studies. And then I went to, uh-huh. I went and I studied like uh, theory in, in history. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, great. And you went, to, you went in Canada. I went in Canada. It was, and then, yeah. and afterwards, I, and then, cause we have university and college as well. And the, they, they work kind of differently, similar, different colleges actually where you go. If you want a job, university's like, I've got a university degree and oh, I'm not going to do anything with it. Okay. <laughs> so then okay. I, I went afterwards to, to film school as well, but uh-huh. really at the end of the day, and again, you, you tell me if it's any different for you. I feel like I've got a, a little bit of talent. I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but it's who you know, and it's how you oh, network. Gosh. And you know oh. what? I was horrible at doing it back then. I'm much better at doing it now, but now it's decades later. <laughs> right. I, I, you know, it, it, it is amazing to me how much it is who you know, you know? Yeah. And, a, you know, a kid from West Virginia, I, did, I didn't know anybody, and I still feel like I'm not... I'm not in the inside, you know, I feel like I'm an, I'm an outsider still looking in in so many ways, you know, and 
it, it's just so hard, you, you know, when there are so many people who want to do, to do this thing, you know, there's yeah. so many people. And, you know, when you look at some of the names or, or you look at the history of, you know, the, you know, who, who got to a first time filmmaker who's 27 years old and they got a movie at Sundance. A lot of times you'll look at that and it's, and you see a, a name that, you know, it's a, it's somebody's kid or something like that. And yeah. I, and I'm not, and I'm not in any way saying that you can't just be somebody's kid and, get there you have to be somebody's kid and work really hard and go to a great yeah. school and still kick ass but it just it when the competition is that fierce that that can be the difference maker um and so for guys like us who don't have who don't have the instant connections or haven't haven't just grown up around that you know uh, uh, being a part of being a part of it you just gotta work that much harder and and stay in stay in the you know just have that much more stamina uh, to well, get it done. No, and let's let's go through it there. Like you did this, and you know, I, obviously, my homework here has been a lot of IMDb. So mm-hmm. uh, forgive me, but mm-hmm. so you, you, there's at least four short films that I'm aware of. And this mm-hmm. is when this is when you're at school, or yep, okay, yep. So that's right. Wiener that's right. in 2004, Off Duty in mm-hmm. 05, Making Space Nazi in 06. Got my uh, mock Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. Mm-hmm. And the big production in 07. Yes. Uh, yep. Yep. Can those be viewed anywhere? If anybody's uh, interested in checking those yeah, out. So, so the big production is on Amazon Prime, and it's free. It's free even if you don't have Amazon Prime. It's just it's you know you find it on Amazon. It's there. Uh, it's it's like 15 or 16 minutes, and I'm really proud of that one. That was my thesis film. Awesome. So that's one that I've made that's that's available to watch anywhere. And it it's not a horror film. It's a comedy, but. I think it's I think it's entertaining and worth your worth your couple of minutes. I know you have some other credits. You mentioned in a TV show that you're mm-hmm. on in New Orleans, but uh, also uh, you have a writing credit for a TV movie called uh, A Teacher's Obsession that came out yes. just a couple of years ago as well. Yes. Yes. So, yes. And now this is where I get really frank, and I don't know. You know, mm-hmm. this is where I'll just yep. ask questions and yeah, man. Like I, I have no couth. I guess is where I'm going to go with this in the sense of it. like so that pays that pays you a little bit more that gets you a little bit of bank and, and you, you feel a little bit comfortable or not really <laughs> not. So not really, because okay. here's the thing that was a teacher's obsession was a movie for lifetime. Okay. Okay. A TV movie. And the way they do it all is they do, they do those move those, those lifetime movie of the weeks. They do them so cheaply. It's all non-union, you know, okay. Yeah. So they so ba- basically they hire you. It's a flat fee to write to to bang out the script in a couple of months, and then and then they own it. They it's they own it outright. There's no residuals. There's no nothing like that. So there's yeah. There's not. There's nothing. There's no. There's no further back end for you um, as as a writer or wow. creator of the of the project. So so that that was my first produced professional credit, but um, it 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 was done. It was non union. So, okay. so basically I got a, a very, very small, very, because I shared it with Trista, you know, yeah. it's a flat fee and interest and I split it 50, 50. Uh, and, uh, you know, I see, they still show it all the time, but, um, <laughs> because it's not union, there's no, there's no residuals. And that, that's a, a normal thing for a writer. One of the ways that they can, because all, all writing, all writers, you know, at, at every level, it's basically freelance. And, you know, when you're working, you're getting paid and when you're not working, you're not getting paid. But one of the ways that, the ideal is that once you, you know, start to develop a career, you do have, you do have things that are being exploited, 
you know, uh, on Netflix, on DVD and other countries and things like that. And you continue to make revenue from those things to support you while you're, you know, between your gigs. Gigs. Okay. I have, I haven't gotten to that, to that level yet. Yeah. Um, You're, 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 you're still building, which is, but this is great because this is where, this is what I really wanted this to be about because now talking to you, it's, you're exactly what I was hoping you're going to be like, just this, this ball of energy like the friendliness came out in the text oh, nice. I, that's what i was really trying to get at make i i know there's really no you know tone or whatever but just the way you wrote them you're, it was just so like you're just kind of invited i'm like oh I, I really was upset that i couldn't go check out your film in hamilton when it was like right next door and then i right. I, I straight out asked you i like any chance of distribution in the summer or anywhere else and you and then i think at that point maybe something was in the works you're like well there's something happening but yeah. we won't know until the summer and i guess yep. that something was shutter that was shutter yeah perfect yep. and I, so i'm gonna build to that because yeah i i, I, I want to go through you know the process i mean so obviously from concept how did it start like you you approached tristan and said let's let's make a let's do a horror film so, or, so Tristan and I are both big horror fans. Obviously, I'm yeah. Friday, you know, Friday the 13th and, <laughs> and Halloween and everything else, you know, and she, and she is as, as well. She has different things that she's a fangirl of than my fanboy things, right? Yeah. Um, but we're both huge horror fans. But we, we had been writing primarily comedy. Okay. And we had written, uh, I think, two or three comedy features and a comedy pilot and spec pilots. And we had gotten close on a couple of things. But nothing, but nothing ever got made or or got to that. It, it, you know, in Hollywood, it's like it either has to get made or like get really close to being made to to like make a difference in your career. And if you don't quite make that hurdle, then you know you're basic. You're basically still a zero, which is where where we were at. Nothing was getting made. We weren't getting. You know, we were both like I was working as an assistant at HBO for many many years. Uh, while you know, you're writing uh, and, and doing while everything. we're writing yeah. doing that, right, right. So. We we eventually were like, we want to, we want us we want to. I I love to direct. Trista loves to edit and be a part of the whole thing. We we were getting tired of just doing the writing thing, right? Yeah. So so we said, how how can we, how can we do a project? Because all the comedies we were writing were like these big Hollywood comedies that would take you know, stars and twenty million dollars to make. You know. And so we said, what can we do with what we have, which is very little money. Uh, and this love of horror, and we did happen to have because because Trista is origin her family is originally from Michigan, and they own a couple of little little properties there, and they own a little bit of woods, they own a little like a little swath of beachfront. Okay, nice. So we said with the things that we have, what kind of story could we tell? And we and one of Trista's side hustles was that she would do these little reviews. For um, like a little tiny Los Angeles Los Angeles thing called Media Geeks, where okay. she would like go on like an escape room or and do a review of it or whatever, and they were doing this thing called the Great Horror Campout. Okay? okay, yeah, a lot of people have heard of it because the creator went on Shark Tank and pitched on Shark Tank and won a bunch of seed money from Shark Tank okay. to make it happen. 
and so they, they, they did it in LA and Trista and I went on the media tour. She, she got to go on the media tour and I, I was like her plus one where we got to like tour the great horror camp out. So, so, so very autobiographical yeah, now. Yeah, so, yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> so the great horror camp out is a version of an extreme haunt, like what we dramatize and ruin me yeah. where it's, it was at the Griffith park old zoo. And it's like, I don't know, it's two or 300 people sign up. And, and you have these different like mazes that you go through and you have to do scavenger hunts. And there was, it, it's really cool. They haven't done it for a couple of years. I really hope they bring it back because it was a really fun night. It was really cool. The one thing though, was that it wasn't actually scary because okay. there were so many people around there, yeah. two or two or 300 people around, you know, you had your cell phone with you, you know, it just, it just didn't have any fear factor, real fear factor to it. And and so Tristan and I got to thinking, like, well, what would it take to really make you scared? And it would have to be, like, way less people. Yeah. You'd have to be out in a remote location. They'd have to take away your cell phone. And, like, that sense of safety that, that, that would have to be somehow taken away from you. And that's how the idea for Ruin Me came about. Nice. Yeah, it, it and, and, and you filmed it on one of those properties that you're talking we about? We did. We did for that's a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, so one of our big locations is the campsite location, and and it looks like you know we shoot it one way, it looks deep woods. You shoot it the other way, you shoot the reverse deep woods the other way. You shoot the this way, it looks good. If we had tilted the camera up, you would have seen Trista's cottage at the top of the ridge. <laughs> you know, it, it it was yeah, it was being very judicious, pure like, movie making. Magic, yeah. like yeah, just a little off right, then boom, you you see a cottage or yeah. or whatever it may be. Exactly right, exactly right, and that's how kind of how we put it all together was, fig, you know, using what we had to to make to make it work for very very limited resources. And and so that brings me to a, a bunch of questions. Yeah, yeah, yes. Budget. What was your budget yeah. for Rumi? So I can't, I'm not, I'm contractually not allowed to say exactly okay. what it was, but let me say this. It was far below a million dollars. Okay. Far below a million dollars. Okay. Good to know. Because it looks pristine. Awesome. Thanks, and, man. And, and, that's and that, to our awesome director of photography, Jesse Eisenhart. Yeah. Good. And that's, yeah. that was, that was okay. Jesse, perfect. Because that was going to yeah. be my next question because there was, um, there, there's some, great shots some that, that the, the the light the way it dances uh, the the campfire mm -hmm. sequence it, it, it's just exquisite in fact uh i i watched i watched a lot of it again right before the interview just to mm -hmm. just to get me uh you know excited about yeah. uh, talking to you again because it had been cool. um a while i'd watched it I think I said two and a half times because I couldn't mm -hmm. get that third view completely right. by the time we did the review for, um, for exploding mm -hmm. heads. And then I wanted to uh, do it right before we talked. And we, for those of you out there, this was scheduled. This was a long time in the making. I think we were initially thinking of doing this a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And my schedule has just been crazy with things that have been happening at my work. I'm not even in the film business. It's just a different industry of yeah. craziness. <laughs> so I believe it. <laughs> I, I, Preston, I really appreciate you uh, accommodating yeah, that. And, and we made tonight work. So this is great. Now, I don't know if this is part of that whole uh, contractually obligated not to say, but so how do you secure said financing and funding because i know there are people I, I i'm really interested in that aspect and i know there are aspiring filmmakers out there they're probably wondering the exact same thing 
Yes, it's a great question. And I, I, I'm absolutely happy to address it. Yeah. The first thing you know, we thought of was, well, do we do a Kickstarter? Do we do an Indiegogo? And when I, when I say we, there are, there are five, I have four partners, so there's five of us. It's me, it's Trista, my wife, Rebecca, is a line producer. So okay. she's, she's one of them. Uh, Trista's partner, David, and uh, my best friend from high school, another guy who used to watch horror movies all night long in my parents' <laughs> basement, Aaron gallagher Sturl, who's now a Broadway actor, oh, by wow. the way, okay. Great. Um, was our fifth. So he, it, it was the five of us. And so when I say we, I'm speaking about all five of us. Yes. And so we considered doing a Kickstarter, but we just, Trista had worked on other indies where they had done that. And the amount of work that it is to really do it well is so much work. And we felt like, you know, we're going to, we could put in work and beg our friends and blast social media and just be as annoying as hell to every single person yeah. we knew. <laughs> And we could come up with like 12,000 bucks or something like that, which (laughs) is not going to get it done. Right. So we said, so, so Trista and I had been working for a number of years. And so she and I put in the first, we put in the first seed money. So we said, okay, we have X thousand of dollars from Preston and Trista. Yeah. So now we're going to go to, we're going to go to all of our contacts in the industry and say, we have this, which is a third of the budget. We need to raise two thirds more, but we've got a third of it, you know, and it's such a small amount of money. Help us out, right? And not even help us out, like, you know, become become our partners on this, yeah, thing, yeah. you know? So I went to every production company contact I had, you know, and they all said no. Wow. Okay. Wow. okay. That, so that, you know, the list wasn't super long then, yeah. right? I mean, <laughs> it, w- working at HBO helped me have contacts, but the contacts you make in HBO are not necessarily going to be the people who would be interested in a low budget horror film. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a totally different brand. So a lot of the contacts I had were not people who would be into that sort of thing. So then we said, okay, how the heck are we going to do this? So we said, what if all five of us, we have a few people in the industry, outside of the industry who are of means and they have watched us, work on our creative careers for 10 years, for 15, you know, however long it's been. And we, you know, why don't we go to those people and see if they're willing to invest their private equity into this, into this movie. So we did that and we sold share, we created an LLC and we sold shares in our LLC for $5,000 each. Okay. And we made the terms extremely favorable for our, for the investors where, whereby we were dedicated to so, so one thing that a lot of independent films will do is they will give out points willy nilly like oh you get a you get points you get points you get yeah. points <laughs> or, or they will or they will do a lot of deferments where they will not pay people and say oh the first money we get in we're going to pay you which never happens which never, never happens yeah. right <laughs> so those things we we created a philosophy of our company where we said we're not going to do those things we are going to pay everybody not much but we're going to pay you up front, when you do the work, you don't have points, there's no deferment, but you know we're gonna pay you up front. So by doing that, we were able to say to the investors, the first dollar that we get back is not owed to anybody, it's not, you know, it's not going out the door, first dollar in goes back to the investors, right? Okay. And so, so I think by doing it that way, we gave confidence to those people 
who, who to, you know, it, they weren't investing for them. It wasn't a, a great deal of money, but it was enough to get our movie made. Um, and, and so I, I think just having those philosophies of paying everyone, no deferments, no points. That was just, that was just the policy of, of the movie. Um, it just made it cleaner. You know, nobody was like upset that they didn't have a paycheck at the end of the day. Everybody knew exactly what they were making, which was again, not a lot, but we were hiring mostly people who weren't, who had worked in various capacities in the industry, but not typically on feature films. So they were all excited to have the chance to work on a feature. They would do commercials or industrials or, you know, uh, our sound mixer who went to, who also went to USC with me, Josh Eckberg, does TV usually. So, you know, to work on a feature where he's the lead guy, you you know, it's all about, it was all about for us, like, what do we have and what do we need, you know? And everybody benefits, right? And every, yeah, yeah. You find the people who are benefiting from it. You know, we, we have, a feature film project for you to work on. And if that is something you don't, don't, don't have in your resume, that's what we can give you, you know, yep. is now you have that on your resume. So that's how we, that's how we put it together. No, that's, that's, oh, that's great. And I appreciate and I, that. And the, cause I know, you know, people, people think about that because ultimately you, you do see a lot of Kickstarter and whatnot. Heck, that's yeah. what we were thinking of doing when we were tossing around the idea for, uh, you know, Brandon, Dave and I, and, uh, mm-hmm. and talking about it, but we're looking at different ways too. But again, I, again, weakness or not, I hate bothering people. Yeah, me too, man. I mean, seriously, me too. I'll do Honestly. it, but I hate it. Yeah, I mean, just just like blasting your friends and your social media, like, hey, anything you can give, one dollar, five dollars. You know, like, oh man, it just yeah, I I hate it too, Christian. I hate it too, and I really don't want to be in that in that position. Now, let me actually just because this might be interesting to you and it might be interesting to the listeners in the film festival circuit, I met other other filmmakers who have you know different philosophies and different ways of doing it. I, I, I've met these filmmakers who basically, they, they did not do this on their first one, but now they have this model. Uh, the movie they were at, they were at Horror Hound in Indianapolis with a movie called Space Babes from Outer Space. Okay. They make these movies for a not a lot of money, but they have fans. So basically what they're doing is they kickstart the movie before it's made and they sell, you know, DVD, 25 bucks, Blu-ray, 35 bucks. So like a little bit more expensive than what you would pay at Amazon or Walmart or whatever. Um, But not, not outlandishly so. And they aren't bothering their friends. These are fans who just want to see their next movie. So they will pre-buy the Blu-ray. They get, you know, two or 3000 people to do that. And that's, you know, now they have the budget for their movie. That is, that's a great way to do it. Yeah, it can work. The budgets for those are, are, you know, a little bit smaller than the appetite we had on Ruin Me, you know, but they, they have, they have their model. They have, they know what they want and they know what their fans want, you know? And so like, it can absolutely work for people. I just felt like it couldn't work for me and for us, you know? And and that, and that's fine. And you, and you guys went about it your way. So, I mean, obviously I, I, we can all read the final credits and, and, and everybody that's part of the, the, the crew on Ruin Me. So by no means did it seem like it was a skeleton crew. It seemed like you had, mm-hmm. like, it was, uh, it was, a, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess depending on, on the day. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Or yeah. We, we had a, we had a decent sized crew. It, it could not have gotten any smaller. You know, we yeah. were at, uh, we were at the very, very small end of what we could, of how we could make it happen. Yeah. So I was talking about the look, 
What was the movie filmed on? Uh, we shot it on two Canon C100s. Okay. Which is not a particularly sexy camera in, you know, in the in the range of cameras, you know, like Arri Alexa being the top end of sexiness, right? Yeah. <laughs> the Canon C100 is not particularly sexy, but really it, it's all about the glass you put in front of it and Jesse RDP knew that he he and there are second shooters so we shot on two so we could shoot two shots at once they knew that camera in and out they knew what kind of glass to put in front of it and they knew how to light it and then here's the other key that really brought it all home was we had an awesome colorist who Jesse had known Jesse lives in in San Francisco and our colorist his day job is at Lucasfilm no, okay. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Pop guy, but but he's not the guy that who's who's coloring, you know, Solo or Last yeah. Jedi or something like that. He he colors like the documentaries that they do on the DVDs, so like super high end stuff. But he's he doesn't always get the option to work on a narrative feature. Yeah. So and yeah. he had that opportunity. He brought his talent and his enthusiasm to something that he normally doesn't work on every every single day. And, and that, so that is what like gave it that final professional, like mwah, that polish was, it's his and, color and, work. And I'm glad you did the mwah because we're, we're, we're partial to that on our show as well. <laughs> and you've got to be proud of how the movie looks. I absolutely am. I oh, yeah. absolutely am for, for, you know, having, we shot principal in 15 days. We had one wow. extra day of shooting, you know, and, and just knowing how, how fast we were moving. I absolutely am. That being said, I know that, you know, the next time I go out at it, I want to push it even further in, you know, I want to push the look artistically even further, you know, playing, playing even more with, with light and shadow and things like that. That's not to say in any way I I'm unhappy with the way Ruin Me looks, but they're, you know, they're given the speed with which we were moving, we could only, you could only do so much because it takes so long, the more, the more Artie, you want to get the longer it takes. And, you know, we would have our list of 30 or 40 shots we needed to get every day. And uh, Jesse did the absolute most he could do, given that huge list of what we had to get in one day. So, yeah, you're not talking about, like, drone shots and crane shots galore, because that, that's oh, no. going to add, like, oh, no. yeah, that adds, like, tons of uh, time and and, uh, right. and budget. Right. <laughs> and, 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 and one of the philosophies that we had for this movie was we wanted to ground it totally in Alex, our final girl, in her point of view. So we wanted the entire movie to be experienced through the lens of what she knew and was thinking and what she was feeling. And so that actually precluded us from having a a drone or a crane shot because that was never a point of view that we never wanted to give the audience an omniscient point of view. We wanted to give them the point of view of her experience of this event. So oh, yeah. that so it kind of we kind of you, you know our limitation became part of our artistic rule in a way. Well, I know, and it, and it works. And what would so based on that? I mean, we you've kind of probably addressed it a little bit, but what would you say was the greatest hurdle in this production alone? Whether it be before the actual production part of it, afterwards, what what would was the big, your biggest hurdle? Do you think? Wow. Um, I I think I think everything every single step is hard. I think. The script is the most important thing and always takes the longest. So I, th- I think getting the script to where we needed it to be, where we felt happy with it, was really 
a big challenge. And then I think our next biggest challenge was that we had, so it all comes back to what do you have, what do you need? We had this little horror film with no-name actors, with um, no-name filmmakers. How do we get it out in the, into the world? Because it's not a traditional slasher movie. It's not a blood and guts thing, you know. Yeah. And we wanted to get it out in the world in a way where we were trying to communicate the idea of this is an elevated horror movie. It has some trappings of a slasher movie. It has some kills. It has a little bit of nudity. You know, it has some of the trappings that you're used to, but there's also a whole other aspect to this movie. Yes. So, so our challenge was, how do we get that out into the world in a way that people understand that it is, we're, we're trying to make an artistic project here, not just a B movie, right? Yeah. And so our answer to that was festivals, okay? And that is this, the festival world is this whole other thing that none of us had really had exposure or experience with. <laughs> and so finding that first festival, because the festival has to take a, a chance on you, that, of that first festival to take a chance on you is hard, right? Okay. I, I, I went to Atlanta to work on a TV show in January of 2017, and we had started submitting the film, I think, in September of 2016 before it was fully finished. We did not premiere until August of 2017. So we had many months of rejections where I had this finished film wow. that I was so proud of and so excited about and yes. just trying to get out into the world. But I wow. did not, it wasn't, I didn't want to just premiere at any festival. I knew it had, I, our world premiere needed to be at a place of high quality. Yeah. And that was some of the hard. Those were some of the hardest months of my life, honestly. Because I can understand that you know, finished product, oh. and, and you figure I've done it. Yeah, here it is. Yes. <laughs> and, yes. and 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 it's it's almost like I don't want to say rejection, but you almost alluded to that there was some like there was re some rejection. rejection. Yeah, absolutely, and, absolutely. And, and that's the business. And I guess uh, a learn a lesson for everybody is get used to it. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, there's yeah. going to be a lot yeah. of it. It's uh, most, it, most of the time it's going to be no. Most of yeah. the time it's going to be a no. And, um, you know, there is a moment when I'm thinking, is this just going to kind of go away? Is this going to get dumped, you know, on Amazon by a little distributor? Or am I going to have to self-distribute it? You know, no one's going to see it. And it's going to, you know, the, these years of my life will be, you know, just fun years, but no one's ever going to see it. And that was, that was the, all those nights when I was in Atlanta, sometimes <laughs> listening to you and Vince, uh, you know, uh, that's what Poor was, you. <laughs> <laughs> that's what was going through my head. And yeah. finally we got our world premiere lockdown at Fright Fest in London and holy shit, nice. that's an amazing festival. And that, and ba basically that was a watershed moment for us and for the film where, you know, the tides just changed. And once we had their approval, you know, basically that we were showing there, that's when we got taken, started to be taken seriously by other festivals and wow. then subsequently had a big festival run, which led to, I can, I can almost guarantee you that we would not have been able to get on the radar of Shudder without the festival run that we had. Um, I wish you did a documentary on this. This, yeah, would, have been, this yeah, would have been a movie yeah. in itself. Yeah. Yeah. It really, I mean, it, it, the, it, Ruby, it is for real. It, yeah. Oh my God. Seriously. Yes. Yes. 
But so, so, so the whole team, like, I mean, I mean, obviously not everybody could make it out there, but maybe the five keys went over uh, to three of us went three of us and Jesse, our DP actually. Okay. We went over to London. Yep. Nice. Now when yeah. you people out there need to realize when you get accepted into a festival, they're not paying for you go, to go. You, you're, or, it, or do they in this case? It all depends on the festival and okay. it all depends also on sort of your placement in there in the festival. Okay. Um, Sometimes they do. Usually they don't. Usually yeah. you're paying your own way. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so I did a lot of in, in during the last year. I've done a lot of couch surfing. I've done a lot of uh, fr- on Facebook friends in Seattle. And it's like, oh man, that my that girl I did high school theater with lives in Seattle. And you know, just writing her and saying, hey, my film's coming. Can I can I stay in your play? You know, think, well, things. That like sounds that. like a line. Hey. Uh... I got my film playing at a festival over here. Sure, the wife doesn't like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. L- Thankfully, she was very understanding. She joined me on so- on some of them. Uh, I'm teasing it. <laughs> no, that's really interesting. Like, I'm learning stuff here, and I and and it's entertaining for me. And I know people are, are they want to hear about this because you you kind of suspect you, you you have an idea of how things are working, but you really just don't know now. Mm-hmm. The movie gets picked up by Shutter. Yes. Some of this, I almost can guarantee you won't be able to tell me. But what happens now is that the now you've got massive distribution in the sense of like lots of horror fans like myself and everybody on the Horophilia Network that uh, does all mm-hmm. the podcasts. And a ton of other fans have access to it. And now you're yep. talking about Canada, the United States, the UK, and beyond. Now, you, so you're getting people watching it. Do you see any money from that? Are you allowed to talk about that? Are, do you, are, does it end there? Is it distribution? Thank you. See you later. <laughs> I can't talk specifics, but I can okay. talk generally. Okay. okay. So the, 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 the thing that you really want to go for in these, it, when you're making a deal to have someone distribute your film, is, is what's called an MG, a minimum guarantee. Okay? okay. So basically, and of course, they're shrinking and going away more and more, right? So uh, what that means is that the company that licenses the film from you, so the five of us, we own the film. Okay. So someone is going to license it from us to exhibit it, right? So what you are going for is whoever is licensing it from you, what you hope for is, is an M, the biggest MG possible, the biggest minimum guarantee, which means that they're paying you that money either upfront or in installment payments upfront. They no are, they are guaranteeing you yeah. no matter what, if no, if literally zero people watch it. They're, they're still paying you that, that money. Okay? okay. Then they license it for a period of time and they have a way that they calculate, you know, every second someone streams ruin me, they multiply that by, I don't know, 0.002 cents. I mean, something very small, right? But and still, so that's, like, well, okay. but still something, yeah. right? And so that's how they calculate the gross. And up until the minimum guarantee, I don't see anything else. If it exceeds that minimum guarantee, then we could make additional revenue beyond that. Okay. Now, the conventional wisdom with these little films is that you're not likely to see anything beyond the minimum guarantee. Yeah. That's why it's so important to try to get that and get that number as high as possible because, you know, they're, they're accounting part of what they're going to charge expenses against your film, you know, 
the people who work at their company, their rent and all that stuff is getting charged against your film partially, yeah. right? <laughs> so, you know, so they have to keep their lights on and it's a business for them, of course, you know, whoever is distributing it. And so so that that's why it's kind of like what whatever you get, that's usually what you can expect your your thing to get. Okay. And so so we did we do have a sales agent who we connected with out of Fright Fest who is trying to to sell the film to as many territories in the country in the world as possible, right? So Shutter is in US, UK, Canada, right? But then, you know, how do other countries that don't have Shutter watch it? So he is in the business of trying to sell it to other distributors Perfect. and get other minimum guarantees. So um, we are on the way to being in in the black. You know, we we think that we can we think that we can make up the money that we spent. It's amazing to think that in knowing how much big movies are made for, how little we made this for, that that we are on our way and not there yet to profitability is crazy to, to contemplate. But it it's like so many things in our world. Everything is separated into. There's so little middle. Everything is the low and the huge. And, the, and, and this is the reality check that I want. I'm sorry for cutting you off, yeah, there, person. Yeah, no, no, that, no, no. That's what I want. Uh, well, it's interesting for myself to know and for people out there to know. It doesn't mean don't do it. You're doing it for yourself. Right. Typically, yes, you're making these absolutely. things because, like, if I make something, I want to make it because I, I made a promise to myself a long time ago that I want to mm -hmm. make something. Mm -hmm. That's what it boils down to. Yes. Yes. Short, yes. long, uh, feature length. It's the creative part, right? Like you've, like mm -hmm. everybody, you've got it. You just gotta get get it out. Of course, there's the business side of it, and and of course, you, you do want at this point, you you want it to to be profitable for you. So now the exclusivity factor. I don't, I don't, yep. I don't mean to cut you off there because maybe you're going. To, no, no, it's good. No, it's they, good. Do they have it for X amount of time, and uh, does it expire after a year, two years, and then are you allowed to then sell it or 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 find other distribution within? North America and the UK? They they bought all rights in those territories. All rights meaning TV, uh, DVD, Blu-ray, all that stuff. They licensed it for a period of... It, it's quite a long period. Okay. It, it's right. it's longer than five years. Okay. So it's it's a Shutter exclusive for, for a quite some time. Which, exclusive. by the way, <laughs> I, yes, yeah. I'm very happy about because yeah. going back to that thing of how do I try to communicate the idea that this is a product of quality? I think being able to say it's a Shutter exclusive helps so much with that because the other Shutter exclusives, so many of the other Shutter exclusives are so it's such great work, and yeah. so I'm honored to be in the company of the other Shutter exclusives. No, you should. Be. I, I think that that is great, and I know it's uh, it's something that I would definitely be too. That, that would just be like. Everything on Facebook, I just be I'm a I'm a Shutter exclusive. I just be wearing yeah. that on my shirt. Constantly. Yes. Yes. Did you yes. get those shirts made exactly. up? <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're Shutter exclusive, bitch. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I, I want ten percent royalties. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Okay. We don't get points, remember, Chris? Yeah. <laughs> so, and you're a producer on the film as well, like you said. So there, and there's five of you that own the film. We've talked about that. I okay. A couple of things I want to offshoot here. You mentioned it. Now, you mentioned that there's slasher elements, but you didn't yes. go the traditional slasher route. Did yes. any part of you, being a horror fan growing up, want to push the envelope a little bit more and add more gore? What was, or did you go in with a conscious effort or uh, idea of not yeah. going yes. that route? So, so two things about that. First of all, 
what one of my goals is when I do something, I want to be able to achieve it. So whatever bar I set, I want to know that I can hit it. Okay. I also have a. I'm very averse to CG gore, CG blood, things like that. Yes. Okay. So that therefore means practical effects. Yes. Right. The amount of time, effort, and difficulty achieving awesome practical gore effects, it's its so time intensive. And you have to have 15 versions of the costume because yeah. it gets bloody and it doesn't work. And so then you have, to, you have to reset. You have to reset the gag. You have to reset the camera, you know. So point one was we knew that we had a limited, we had so much limited time. We had, we had very limited time. So we made the conscious decision that our gore effects would be limited. And we, we felt that like what we could do that was special and different was the twists and turns of the story. Yeah. I did not think that given the small resources that we had, that I could have pour, pulled off gore effects to a level that would have been impressive enough. So, okay. okay. So that was sort of like the first thing it was like, I don't think we can pull it off. And, and the second thing, it, due to the nature of the story, and I don't want to do too many spoilers here, yeah, yeah, yeah. we typically had to stay away from certain things in terms of what we could what we could actually dramatize on screen, given the is it or is it not happening nature of the narrative. We, we were limited in what we could dramatize on screen realistically. And that's totally understood as, and I, I won't get into specifics either, but I, I, I hear you. Yeah, yeah. That to the, like you said, the 15, 16 day shoot mm-hmm. and, and you don't really want to be too concerned about that, that effect didn't work. I need it to work. And now we've got to film it four times more or over and you're, and you're right. And then your budget escalates, time escalates, frustration escalates the whole nine yards. So yeah. I, I can understand that. Yeah. Nudity. Yeah, fifteen-year-old in me was like, "Yes." Now mm-hmm. I then said for this interview part part, part of it, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm talking about you're on the set now. How awkward is it <laughs> when <laughs> the character then has to pull her shirt up and hello? Yeah, so that this this is fascinating. So yeah. <laughs> so we Trista and I decided that that was an important aspect to to the story early on and. We, I agree. <laughs> for, <laughs> thanks, Chris. And for a couple of reasons. One, we want we want the experience of watching our film. We want you to have a range of emotions. And one of the emotions that we wanted to evoke was, you know, I'm not punning here, just yeah. the titillation and sexuality of the moment, right? <laughs> and okay, so there's that. Secondly, that the fact that that character takes her shirt off in that moment actually does have an impact on the dynamics of the characters. Okay, so it's not it's not just, you know, she's in the shower and we see her, as you would say, tit tots. Right. (laughs) Right. It's It's a TGIF 13 13 special. Right. (laughs) Um, So so we wanted it to have an impact on the characters in the plot. Okay. so what that meant, though, was that when we were auditioning for that role, we had to say straight up clearly topless nudity required. Okay. So they know what they're getting themselves into. They know what they're getting yeah. into. Done. Even that, though, I would have actresses who would like write to me and say, like, I really want to do this, but I'm not going to do that. Like, can I audition? Can I do that? And and we just had, you know, we had to say no. And then we, I think we had a series of three callbacks. And on the third callback, we even said, 
we want you to respond in writing that you see this and you understand that that's required of the role. And they all said yes. And then we had three young women who were our finalists and one of the three. And this is a person who is now come in for three auditions and in writing agree to it. And then at the last minute, she said, I, I don't agree to that. Now, so, wow. fortunately, yeah. fortunately, the person that we selected for the role was not did was down with it. She was yeah. she she understood and she and she was cool with it. But it, it was just so interesting going through that whole process and even getting down to that final third three and saying, OK, I'm OK, I'm OK, OK, because it was it, it is my utmost intent. I'm not a director who is trying to make people uncomfortable or make people scared or make people anxious. You know, yeah. I I'm want everything to be out in the open up front not asking for more than you we agreed to or anything like that and so that we were just so upfront with everything and eva hamilton is that actress and she it was the first time she did something like that and she was nervous about it but she was like she's a horror fan too yeah. and she was like i get That's it great. I, I, like <laughs> i i know i know that what this archetype is I'm excited to be this archetype. I'm a little nervous about this one aspect of it, but damn it, I'm going to do it. And she was great. She was great. Awesome. No, because I always just think of that. You're, you're enjoying it as a viewer. Then I'm trying mm -hmm. to think of being there. I'm going, that might be, there's a bit of coolness, of course, but then at the same token, you're just like, but now it's like a facade. Yeah. So it, it just would seem so awkward, I think, when yeah. you're there on the set. <laughs> it, it is. It is. And we try, you know, she, we only did it in certain coverage, you know, in any time that she was like off camera, you know, anytime we weren't covering her, she kept the shirt on. I remember even in one, in one of the shots, one of the reaction shots, we had to zoom it in a little bit because she still had her shirt on on the side of the frame and it was a moment that we should supposed to have her shirt off. So, you know, yeah. we tried to do whatever we could to make it comfortable. We, we closed the set from anyone who was not essential, but it's still, yeah, you're right. It's still uncomfortable for people. It's tough. It's tough. I, she, she was great though. God bless her. She was great. Oh, that's fantastic. Now fans, reviews, yeah. IMDB, yeah. stupid podcasters, YouTubers, how do you react to this? Because oh, now man. everybody and their mother has got an opinion. Hell, we reviewed it on uh, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast. I, I think we all came sort of sort of in the middle. But, you know, at the at the end of the day, you're going to hear everything. And I, you could just skim IMDb. Best movie ever. Fantastic. Crap. Uh, worthless. Whatever. And, and how do you deal with that? Because that would it's, drive me nuts. <laughs> it's not, it is, I'm going to tell you, it's not easy. So by far, this is the first thing, the first piece of art that has been this widely critiqued, right? Yeah. Especially something that I own, that is yeah. my, you know, it was my baby from start to finish, right? Yeah. You know, like we talked about a teacher's obsession, not really my baby. I didn't direct it. Chris and I co-wrote it for hire. And Lifetime movies aren't widely reviewed. There aren't yeah. podcasts who are, who are reviewing <laughs> it widely, right? I will say that uh, uh, every word that has been written or spoken about it that we are aware of, one of the five of us has read, watched, or listened to. So yeah. w anything that anyone is saying, we some some of us, someone on the team is consuming that feedback, yeah. right? There are days when it's really tough. There are days when it's really I, I tough. Don't doubt it. I mean, there's some fantastic positive reviews. And you know IMDb is nuts. Unless you're Shawshank yes. or whatever. Usually, like, 
you know, you're going to be hovering at where I think you're probably hovering at, at an at average. Mm-hmm. And that's a good thing. That, that That's actually something that people are going to want to watch. The ones that right. people don't want to watch is when they're hovering at that like 3.6, yes. 3.8 range. So, yes. I mean, from that standpoint, but I mean, you know what you made. You, you, you took this from concept to script to to finished product to distribution and and everything else blood sweat tears the whole nine yards mm-hmm. and then and then you get some yahoo on here that uh that says it was a waste of my time but then that's the one i hark on because i know how i'm gonna be but mm-hmm. there's so many other ones that just that just say you know you know surprisingly good uh I just want to grab a few clever variation, worst vacation ever. I don't want to say too much from a spoiler standpoint. Another independent film that outdoes recent Hollywood crap. I mean, that's the stuff that you must be like, yeah, that guy yes. gets it or whatever. Yes, yes. And so, but you know, as as we all know from like Psychology One Hundred and One, it's like <laughs> one one negative thing. You need like four positive things to like outweigh that in your mind, you know. Yeah. And so, like, it, it, it's it's definitely tough, especially when. You know, when somebody gives it like a one out of ten, oh, yeah, I'm like, come on. God, damn! I'm like, did I did I come and like punch your mother in the face or something? <laughs> like, like my it's not spookies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like, come on. Come I on. mean, that that's the extremes. That is definitely the extremes, and yeah. and it's crazy because horror fans maybe. Most genres are like this, but I guess horror fans are that that really rabid bunch, and they just seem to mm-hmm. come in an extreme. So we try to be, we try to take that and, and try to even it out a little bit, mm-hmm. and try to be a little bit more realistic. But yeah, that it's got to hurt. And I, admittedly, I I I worry about my 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 thin skin sometimes, and worry that right. it will drive yeah, me and absolutely. I, and I, I mean, I it, it, I can't. I'm not gonna lie and say it does. It doesn't have some impact, but we just, you know, we just. Tristan and I in particular take, you know, take it in more than I think anybody else, but we just try to, you know, we have our bad days where something pops up that's negative, but then, you know, it's like we try to remember all of the, you know, that we we came into this with nothing and no contacts and, and no festivals, and now we've played at three dozen festivals worldwide and won some awards, and damn it, we got Shudder without, without awesome. knowing a damn person there, and so it's like... That that's the stuff that we kind of got to hold on to, you no, know. And, definitely, it, I know. And that, this is and preach it, man, because that is that is what it's about. And for anybody that wants to to uh, to make a film, uh, not everybody should. Let, 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 let me <laughs> right. let me be clear right. here. Not not right. everybody should, but never, don't give up on the dream. You could still make it, right. <laughs> but yes. then the the goal is like. Don't give up the dream. Follow it through. But there is there is garbage out there, and and yeah, that would pay me to see th- such a low rating on on a film like this because there's absolutely no justification for mm. it at all. Uh, mm. Now, let's get to, well. Two things I got to mention here too. Uh, actor Matt uh, Delapina. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know. Actor. I yeah. don't know if you if you've been uh, if you've creeped Brandon Orlick on Exploding Heads, but they they look like they could be brothers. <laughs> <You got it. laughs> yeah, they do. They really do. I have creeped him a little bit. Yes, they do. They do. <laughs> I just had to throw that out there. Brandon, <laughs> Matt Delapina is Italian. Yeah, <laughs> Brandon's not. <laughs> He's not. Ah. Dave and I are, but Brandon's not. Ah, so there we go. Ah. Maybe we should get him. Maybe that's the replacement that we were looking for. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I'm kidding, Brandon. You know I'm joking. Now, anything you wish you could have done differently? Uh, you know, my biggest regret is the opening. You know, I, I said that I really wanted to keep us in 
in Marcian and Alex uh, Marcian Dwyer is the actor actress who plays Alex, and because of that, I was really dedicated to just putting us in the car with her on that drive to slash or sleep out. And it's just not as dynamic as I would like. You know, I wish we, I wish we could have come out of the gate with some with something else. You know that that's probably my biggest regret is that I I I feel like we get stronger. Um, you know, once we settle into to getting the rules of the slasher sleep out and everything like that. But man, you know, I know that there are probably some people who you know that first five or six minutes might be all they watch. And I and it's to me it's you know maybe the worst the we. I want to say worse. I want to say weaker, yeah. five or six minutes, and it's it's all you know. It's no no one's fault but my own. It's you know, I, I, and I know I know that for my next time I got it. I got. I want to have a more dynamic dynamic opening. Uh, the other thing, you know, it, it, it's interesting. The in screenwriting parlance, it's the midpoint plot turn, right, where everything the stakes become wildly different, right. Yeah. My favorite midpoint plot turn in cinema history is probably Back to the Future, right, nice. where the whole thing One of my is. Favorites. One of my favorite movies, right? <laughs> the whole thing is about he's got to get back to the future, but the midpoint plot turn, and that is not only does he have to get back to the future, now he gets he has to get his parents to fall in love too. So it's the same goal, but the stakes are way higher and they're more personal, right? Yeah. So that's what the best midpoint plot turn should do. And so we we had we engineered our midpoint plot turn to you know to change the stakes while without spoiling it, right? To change the stakes wildly for our protagonist to to make this experience you know it's all about escaping slash or sleep out but now it becomes vastly more personal yeah um and uh i i wonder if there is a way that we could have planted it differently uh in the first half so that i i, I feel like non-horror fans accept that midpoint plot turn pretty easily but the but a lot of hardcore <laughs> horror fans have a hard time accepting that that change in that change in attitude that the film experiences at its midpoint. I think actually some of uh, brand, I think we discussed that on our show and yes, I'm not getting I into specifics. Think and and right. I think there, there were problems like, well, I think mm -hmm. Brandon and Dave had some problems with that. I think we all agreed that there's some, but I think I might've been the one going, going for the ride along with the ride a little bit more so, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. it does shift, but you're it does right. Shift. When you, Absolutely. When you hear you talk about it, 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 it raises, it changes and it becomes something different. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because we're being delivered something different. And, right. and you know, sometimes maybe we're the, the fault there because we're like, damn it. We just wanted this. And it's not a bad thing that it went in a different direction. Right. Right. <laughs> right. And it, so, you, you know, that's why I, I was the calling this movie slasher sleep out might've been, the obvious thing to call it, right? Yeah. But I was very Tristan and I both and, and Aaron, our creative producer, we were very against that because we felt that if we called it Slasher Sleepout, that no one would accept, not even the non-horror fan would accept <laughs> that that change in tone at the middle of, for a movie called Slasher Sleepout, which sounds like just fun and just well, generic just, slasher, generic slasher, exactly, exactly. right, and. and, and there's hints there because like when she's when she's driving and again i didn't want to get too much into the actual yeah. film because that's for yeah. the listeners that uh have seen it to rewatch or for those that haven't seen it to, to check out on shutter uh mm -hmm. whether you're in canada the united states or the uk you know where to find it and uh and the uk it, it, it it's also wales right 
for for Warren I, Money, that Welshman think, that, that loves think. your show? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is. I just think. like to pick on the Welsh. Oh, uh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> for no reason other than Warren Money gets offended by it. And I, that's it, because I totally lost my train of thought making the, that, the dumb well, Welsh I think joke. We were just we were talking about the, you know, um, that there are hints oh. earlier that, there, that it yes. might change. And what we tried to also layer in was this idea that this was a movie about about people and about one person in particular. Um, you know, there's there's one scene that we affectionately refer to as the hand job scene yeah. <laughs> when it's Matt Delapina and Marcienne in the tent. Yeah. And it's all about their relationship. And immediately prior to that, there's this conversation that they have about um, the nature of horror movies versus the nature of romantic comedies. And so we we tried to thematically just layer in these ideas uh, that these that this movie is about people. This is a movie about relationships, you know. Yeah. And sometimes people pick up on that right away, and other times I think they're they're just experiencing it more as a surface slasher, you know. And so so they they might they might be like, oh, well, this part is boring. Get to the kills. Get to the you know get to the other things, you know. But we we just really were dedicated. We were we were playing our game with this movie, you know. Yeah. We. There's so great dialogue there, though. Thanks, man. And that's Thanks. the reason I, I, I interrupt because I gotta add, add that in because, like, the sweaty ball gag. The right, yes. I, I yes. mean, like, you know, yes. again, I'm not. I'm trying to be, uh, not get into too much detail, but sure. And I, I wanted to know: is that your line, or or Trista's, or is it always just a fusion of ideas together? So uh, that was a fusion of ideas. Doing doing the hand job that was mine, but then. But the reason for the hand job was that he had sweaty balls. That was Tristan's, you know. <laughs> so it's it's like we're always just playing off each other, perfect, right? Perfect. You know. And I do remember. See, see Warren, you, you get the last laugh because my stupid Welsh joke got me, lost my train of thought. But I'd say <laughs> when they're driving and they pass the Jesus saves, mm. all else will be uh, 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 yes. All, all others will be ruined. The wicked shall be ruined. Yeah, which, wicked... by the way. That was a visual effect added in post. The words, the wicked shall be ruined, that was added by our great Lucasfilm colorist. Wow. So because okay, so when we were doing we we test screened this movie like crazy when we were edit picture editing. And we only had one mention of the word ruin in the original script. And we thought that'll be enough, everybody'll get it. But people were not quite picking up on why, you know, what's the significance of ruin me with only one mention. So we went along and we said, this is all five of us now, we were brainstorming, where else can we get the word ruin in, right? And so that marquee, that that church that said Jesus saves, that marquee was was blank. And that was my my best friend Aaron's idea to add the wicked shall be ruined to there. And I'm like, how the fuck are we going to do that? Like, I can't, you know, how do we, it's going to look like shit. It looked great. (laughs) And, And Sean Wells, our colorist, said, Hey, no problem. And it was like, bam, it was there. Wow. And then we added a couple of other ADR lines. For instance, when Eva Hamilton's character, Marina, has the hood over, she says, are you uh, are you excited to be ruined, Alex? And originally she said, like, do you like being tied up, Alex, or something like that, right? But her head's, her head's covered, so we could add the word ruined. So we just placed it a few more places, and then we did a test screening with it like that, and everyone was like, oh! Oh, we get it now. You know? <laughs> so we, just, the, I love the final shot in the movie too. Love oh, it. Thank you. Man. Love thank it. you. Thank uh, you. Uh, so we talked about anything you wish you'd do better. And I, I respect your answer. That was yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and again, not to toot your own horn. What did you just think you nailed? Like you're just like, yeah, I oh, love this. Oh, 
Um, I, you know, I, 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 I can't say like any one thing. I just, I just feel like I, I don't, I don't have any one thing that I'm like, I, I knocked it out, I guess, but I'm really proud of the beach scene, the, the beat, the, the, the action of the beach scene, the, 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 the under, you know, with that underwater yeah. photography, her underwater scream and like, I just, I just feel like that was a complicated you know, there's a guy rolling down a hill, yep. and there's underwater stuff, and there's a cinder block on, you know, for us little time filmmakers, all of those elements, th- shit could have gone really well, wrong. You did, when you think about it, you added a lot of elements to your 15 day shoot. Right. That yes. really could yes. have, yeah. but that's it. That adds production value and, and excitement. And no, I'm, uh, I respect that. I, I, I want to talk about, I, I noticed on IMDb again that you mm-hmm. have an upcoming project, again, working with Trista, and it's called, after the summer yes I, sir that, that is our okay. that is our next that's going to be our next horror flick any any hints at uh, what's it going to be about or is it going to be yeah in secrecy right now i i'll i'll tell you just a little bit it's it's uh, again about a female protagonist who is going to be in every single scene of the movie uh she's a 21 year old uh girl from a very affluent family who uh decides uh she, she they they always summer in this uh in this quiet uh lake town in michigan and uh her childhood friend from that lake town goes missing and she decides to instead of going back for her senior year of college she lies to her parents and decides to stay in the town after the summer to investigate her friend's disappearance and that's that's our next flick and and tristan and i are we are working like crazy on the script. We we are just hitting it really, really hard and trying to make it um, exciting. And we, we've tried to learn not only from the process of Ruin Me and the, and the feedback that we've heard, but also from all of the other filmmakers that I've seen going to the film festivals, seeing what audiences respond to. We've tried to just absorb all of that. We still have our thing that we do and our brand, but we've just tried to like take in all this extra information so that we can just do what we do and hopefully do it even better this time out. Awesome. And you could pick any actor, any performer, who would you like to work with? Oh my gosh. Um, you know, um, not, not in the context context of, of after the summer, but I have just always been a fan of what Amy Adams does. And I just got finished watching sharp objects, which pushes her talent and her, her persona into a whole new realm. My wife loves that show. Yeah. It's, I, I, I would, I would love to be in the presence of somebody who has the power, the power that she has, um, for both comedy and drama, I, I feel like I could learn a lot just just from working with an actress like Amy Adams. That's great. And we we kind of jumped right through it. So I know we talked about a little uh, bit of Friday the 13th. And I oh, yeah. brought up Back to the Future. I can't do it to you because I know how it is from, a, from another horror fan perspective. If you have one horror film that you could just name out that's your fave, great. But if what would you say are some of your fave horror films? Sure, sure. So... In, in in the franchises, Friday the Thirteenth is the one the franchise that I just watch over and over again. Go back to perfect. Li- listen to <laughs> listen to guys watching them in their basements talking about it. You know, well, seeing sausage, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Or> after eating <laughs> sausage, yes, yes. Uh, so, in, in terms of in individual horror films, I 
just my the classics for me that stand out are The Exorcist and Psycho. Those are the two classics that I can revisit over and over again and glean something new from. Uh, I think Adam Wingard in is a really exciting filmmaker. His uh, film A Horrible Way to Die was la- was very inspirational to ruin me. Uh, I love uh, Your Next, which was his film after that, and I love The Guest, which is was his film after that. Yeah. So he he's a really exciting horror filmmaker to me in in like the micro budget space uh, that I'm working in. You know, uh, another movie that's a Shutter exclusive called Found Footage 3D is really fun uh, and funny and clever. Um, there's another micro budget uh, also by an Austin filmmaker uh, called Last Girl Standing, which is another nouveau slasher that I that I really like. Jason uh, Boyd loved that movie. Uh, Dave nice. Dave Z loved Found Footage 3D. Nice. Found Footage 3D, I thought, came right in the middle. I thought it overstated woke, Welcome, but the 3D was fun. Mm. And Last Girl Standing, I liked. I didn't love. Uh-huh. I liked it, uh-huh. but I liked what it what it was trying to be or what it, like the right. the story. Yes. That, the philosophy and again, of storytelling. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there because no, no. I, just, I, have to, I, had, I have to talk. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. a weakness of mine. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this movie, this other movie that, that I saw at Fright Fest actually last year called Low Life is a really exciting, is a really exciting genre film, which is not necessarily horror. It's on the edge. Um, but that that also that that is a really accomplished genre film uh, of recent stuff. Yeah. You know what? I've heard some I haven't seen that. I heard some rumblings through some of the horror pages that I, I'm part of and, and whatnot. So I'll have to check that out for sure. Yeah. So yeah. and now non horror, what yeah. what would be some of your some of the standouts from uh, from your life that has inspired you or that you just love? Number one of all time is the original unaltered Star Wars trilogy. Yeah. Those are, those are my absolute favorites. Um, I'm also a big fan of the movie The Graduate, uh, uh, okay, which cool. is is actually very inspirational to After the Summer. Um, we've been, that's been one of our touchstone films when we're writing this, as we're writing the script for after the summer. Um, I also like some of the vintage, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson stuff, his, his run of Boogie Nights, Magnolia, you know, uh, there will be blood that the, that era of Paul Thomas Anderson is endlessly exciting and inspiring to me. Yeah, and, and it's great that you said that because that was sort of um, in that time frame when I was in film school. Boogie Nights was there. Train Spotting came out. The mm-hmm. all of a sudden, mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, horror kind of took a hit in the '90s. Yep. Save for Scream, like uh, uh, there's there's quite a few great horror films from the '90s. But when you think of the '90s as a whole, I I kind of not a great horror. I, I don't necessarily put it on a pedestal by any means, but I could definitely pull enough great ones out. But while that was happening like i was really getting into that so like yeah pt anderson and like danny boyle i i love shallow grave train spotting yep. i was really into them and so it's interesting and, and always exciting when you we hear other people share the enthusiasm there and growing up it was always raiders of the lost ark obviously mm-hmm. the star wars trilogy mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, back to the future oh uh, yes for sure and then then came scarface and my love for uh blowout uh, of you know, course, I haven't gotten really into De Palma. I need to. I that's a hole in what I've experienced. You know, I need to. I need to do De Palma. Oh, you do. I mean, of course, Carrie. And but there's oh, yes, there's yes. so many. There's so many great ones. Yes, he tear, tears a large page from Hitchcock. But mm. I I think it's just such a love note to him that you kind of say it's not rip off. It's homage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and you play however you want to determine if if homage exists or if it's just right, rip off. Right. Right. <laughs> 
but ultimately, uh, yeah, he was one of my one of my faves and still is. And I love there's so many great films out there that I mean, we could talk all night. Good. I know. I know you're three hours behind me. It's getting late here. It is getting this late. Is, Thank you for staying is, up, Christian. Oh, no, no. This is what it was all about. I have absolutely loved this. I'm glad we did it. I hope too, uh, you had fun. Please, can you tell everybody out there um, how they can link up to you or or where they can find your your stuff? I know we talked about Rumi on Shutter, but please throw it anything. Promote yourself, please, Preston. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm at Preston Def on Twitter. Uh, the film is at Ruin Me Movie. Obviously, y- y- you know you can you can watch it for free if you're a Shutter subscriber. We uh, have our slasher sleep our official slasher sleepout T-shirts are available uh, through a company called Wicked Critter. Uh, so if you go on Wicked Critter's website, you can find uh, the official Slasher Sleepout t-shirt. We have our soundtrack. Uh, for, for You can stream it on Apple Music or download it uh, digitally through yes. iTunes and Amazon. Uh, and, you know, I, uh, I don't, I'm not like crazy, crazy active on Twitter, but I, I, when I have something to say, I, I share it. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of horror things. Uh, I'm a fan of 80s cinema, and I'm a fan of um, physical media, and so I, I I think that I talk a lot about those things. So if if, the, if those are topics that are interesting to you, you know, uh, that give me a follow. Perfect. I like to tease people and say I've, I've gone totally digital, but all of a sudden <laughs> now I, I used to be a huge physical media fan, and uh-huh. then, and then I kind of over the course of moves and mm. long longer marriage. And you just start getting rid of things, and then so I I, I did, and now I've, I'm starting to want stuff back. So mm-hmm, I'm starting to, like I still mm-hmm. have a lot of DVDs, but VHS, Laserdiscs, Fangoria's are long gone. Oh no! But, yeah, oh, unfortunately, no. and now I want to buy them all back. Right, but, right. Well, this is not uh, this is not the last time we'll speak, Preston. This is awesome. I lo- I'll, love to I'll be again. listening to you, so yeah. you may not be hearing my voice on a regular basis, but I know I'll be hearing yours. <laughs> And I'll try, try to convince Vince. I, I, it's not really him. I'm, I'm just like to put put it on other people. But no, we will have to do like a mashup first guest, official guest. We have people lead us in, like Dave and Brandon led the uh-huh. show in a couple of times. And like I right. said, my wife's been there. But maybe maybe you'll have to be our first guest on TJF 13. Anytime you're ready, I'm there. I would love All right. it. All right. I appreciate it. Good luck with after the summer, but I'm sure Thanks, we'll Christian. be talking. Absolutely, soon. man. All right. Absolutely, man. Take care. You too. Good night. Well, there you have it, everybody. My first attempt at an interview, solo interview, that is. Hope you enjoyed it. Give me some feedback. You want to hear more? Let me know. You want to hear less? Let Brandon know. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening. See you in the funny papers. Good night.